before we get into the show, I wanted to give you a quick heads up that this is a re-release of an older episode, so we didn't quite have the format down, and I had to clean up the audio a little bit, but this was Cancer's first time hosting, and Super Killer's bad guy royalty, so I felt like it was important to get it out, so enjoy the show. To the bad guy, the good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now, we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to be really covering too many serial killers. That's just a little dark for me, and this ain't a true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't really call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history buff that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. Speaking of my friends, uh, first with me, I got DC. What up, though? I see uh, today you scrapped the Lagunitas and went with a different option. Yes. So today's drink is bright white. It's Bell's version of like a Belgian white, which I absolutely love, you know, hence Blue Moon. But today it's Bell's. For, for a guy that's a dark beer drinker, I feel like I've never seen you drink a dark beer. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also with me today, I got a, a longtime friend, first time with us on the podcast, Cancer. What up, what up, what up? All right. Now, I know tonight you're not drinking, but you're, you're a craft beer fan, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I got a couple uh, Dirty Bastard Scotch Ales pointing for me at the crib. I lo- love the Dirty Bastard. Anything with bastard in the name, the arrogant bastard, the dirty bastard. Yeah, well, yeah. You, I, I guess I'm just I'm a giant child. <laughs> you, Same, guilty as charged. You put bastard in the name, I'm like, oh, I gotta get it. Yeah, That's I'm gonna me. try it. You forget backwards it. bastard. Oh yeah. Yeah, backwards bastard, yo. And that would one. That would have put you on your ass too. Yes. That's one of those. When I first got into craft beers, you know, I went I went to a bar. It was uh, Old Chicago. It's my first time experiencing craft beers. Had a couple beers. I was used to drinking Bud Light. Got up to go to the bathroom. Hit me right yeah. away. Like, oh, this is some next level shit. Oh, yeah. Time to slow it down a little. Exactly. Went from about 4% to, I think that backwards is like 9% or something. That's starting to get, that's not even high gravity. Like, that's really yeah, starting to no, they, uh, They'll hit you in the end. Now, in the front. Now, Cancer, you're, uh, you're a rapper. You've been rapping for a long time. Yeah, a couple days. <laughs> couple days. A couple decades. Yeah, sir. All right, uh, you got like where's your where's well, your... That, uh, the al- the last uh, album I dropped in 2012 is pretty much available on uh, anywhere. It's uh, Cancer with a three instead of an E. Um, it's on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, the album's called Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. And there's the one you got that's uh, it's a, like Metropolis or well, Metropolis was uh, the band that I used to have. Uh, it was called Underground Disciples. It was more like a hardcore mixed with hip hop. But like real hip hop, not like Linkin Park type <laughs> bullshit or uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, more more more. Uh, I meant to diss uh, Limp Biscuit more than Linkin Park. <laughs> well, I mean Linkin Park's, you know, because Mike Shinoda yeah. thinks he's a good rapper, so at least he thinks he's a good rapper. Though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the worst thing Fred Durst ever did was did a collaboration where him and Method Man rapped. Yeah, back to back verses. It's like talk about showing your flaws. You know what I'm saying? Like cracks in your game. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, if you're Fred Durst and you're gonna collab with somebody on a, you want to rap with like me. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to take Method Man. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely. Although he probably had meth write his shit for him. So. Yeah, but you still that whiny delivery, man. Oh There's nothing God. you can do about that. Yeah, you just bring it's in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to do that to you. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Well, and then uh, today I'm drinking the. Uh, I usually go either beer or whiskey. I usually only drink wine if I'm having, you know, with my dinner or something. But it seemed fitting, so I got the uh, 19 Crimes Dark Red. How is it? Nice. It's uh, it, it's good. It's you know, it, it makes me wish I was eating some pasta or something. <laughs> but I felt like I had this 19 Crimes wine, and I'm doing this bad guy podcast. It yeah, was... I mean, it's fitting for sure. All right, the bad guy we're covering today is Alexander Solonik. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. First thing about Alexander Solonik, he is the man of many aliases. 
So it is Alexander Solonik, a.k.a. Alexander the Great, a.k.a. the Macedonian, a.k.a. Sasha Makedonsky, <laughs> a.k.a. Sasha the, <laughs> Sasha the Macedonian, a.k.a. Superkiller. So he was a rapper, too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> With Damn. all those Sashas, isn't that like um, Russia or something like that? Where, where does the origin where that's a male name? Yeah, it's Russian, any of the old Soviet bloc. Okay. I like that, the uh, Sasha Makedonsky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, we don't want to call you a Ma- Macedonian anymore. We're just going to call you a Makedonsky. <laughs> well, I-, I feel like Makedonsky sounds like me trying to make up a Russian nickname. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Alexander Solonik was born on October 16th, 1960 in Kurgan, Soviet Union. Siberia is like the the super cold, always winter north. Kurgan is almost like the border that kind of separates that from Russia. Nah. Mm, okay. Nice. So, you know, Moscow, that would be like down in Russia. That's like where they're, they're New York. This would be kind of like the Wyoming before you get into Canada. <laughs> it's all too cold for me, and that's coming from a Michigander <laughs> all of my life. Yeah, Russia's too cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm good on all that. Siberian tigers and shit. Well, what's crazy is Russia's so big, they got a little bit of all of it. Like, they got different, like, like okay, America has a bunch of different nationalities, mm-hmm. but it's because it's a melting pot. Russia has it just because... The, the territory is so big. Gotcha. This is true. Now, Alexander Solonik, as a kid, he always excelled in athletics and martial arts. And as a child, he was uh, he was especially good at sports shooting. I'm going to guess, before we even go too much into it, I'm going to take a wild guess and say he became a super killer oligarch. Hopefully... I'm right. He wasn't just a regular killer, but he made a lot of money on the fall of the Soviet Union. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> You're going to go out on a limb and say that the guy that they called Super Killer? Yes. Was, was a super killer that made a lot of money and became an oligarch. Well, yes. and that definitely, at that time, once that Soviet bloc fell, the American mob, if you want to get legged or gamble or borrow some money, they can get you that. The Russian mob... They can get you like a sub, yeah, you know, yeah. a nuclear warhead. Right. So you want sub? <laughs> I can do that. Now, after after he graduated high school, he joined the military, and he was assigned to a tank division in Germany. People say, well, the evidence shows that he worked, you know, he served a regular conscription in a tank company in East Germany. A lot of people say that he was a KGB a- asset. Uh, or that, you know, this was the Cold War time that he specialized in, like, assass- assassinating NATO officials, you know, to cause, like, destruct the, the European Union. Any real facts you can find says that he basically, I mean, not to discredit that, he was still served in the Russian military, which I'm sure we already said we don't even want to live there. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? definitely don't want. And is that one of those militaries where you, you have to serve? Uh, I believe he was conscripted, okay. is what it said, so... Yeah, but I think uh, most places that are under communism, you usually have to serve. And, you know, at this time, it says that, you know, it was still under the USSR. So I want to guess that he probably had to serve. Whether he was a spy or not, who knows, but that would be really cool. So I say we just make it that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I am a big fan of the legend version of storytelling. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, if like four people say it, that's it. Yeah, then. print That's the legend. True. And how it goes. Now, did he give himself the name Superkiller, or is that what everyone else called him? That's what everybody else called him. Well, I, then, they, then he's a badass for sure. I wanted to go with all the aliases up front because I think it, <laughs> I usually do, but it's usually one, maybe two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's crazy they had so many. As we go through the story, it'll kind of show how they progressed. So it's not like he just picked all these different aliases. Right. They kind of developed now. You know, as one does in a criminal career. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, regular military where you kind of get stripes and you get, you know, yeah. different patches and things. In the criminal world, you get different aliases, you know? <laughs> because from day one, your first kill, you're not a super killer. You got to you gotta get some stripes to get to a super killer. Unless you're wearing a cape. Then it might call you super killer. But yeah, you're right. You got to... That's that's probably what it was. It wasn't even body count. (laughs) 
Uh, so after his, his service was over, he joined the Omen Police Agency. He eventually received training at the Gorkovsky Institute, which is like the elite level police training facility in Russia. The Omen Police and the Gorkovsky Institute, that's not like ticket writing police. That's more like a SWAT type mm-hmm. operation. Okay. Uh, but within six months, he was expelled from the Gorkovsky Institute for extreme violence towards suspects. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Just bad cop, bad cop. Bad cop, super killer. Oh, my God. I love the uniforms, though. Furry collar. Yeah, it seems mm. like it'd be really hard to maneuver through shit, like, dressed, like, you know what I'm saying, with all that stuff on. I know it's a necessity, but... Well, it's it's also hard to maneuver with frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Very true. Man. So after getting expelled from the police force, he didn't have a lot of options. Uh, he got married, he got a daughter, and he got a job back in Kurgan working as a grave digger. He got divorced, and then he got remarried, and he had a son. And those would be basically the only kids that he had the rest of his life. The first time that he got in trouble, or this first run-in with the law, was in the fall of 1987, when he was arrested and accused of rape. Uh, he was found guilty... Before he was going into prison. So as he was going into prison, he was allowed to say goodbye to his wife. And when he was saying goodbye to his wife, he jumped out the prison window from the second story and ran off. So he pulled the Ted Bundy. <laughs> God, man. It's, it's so crazy how many of these stories, like when you hear about these jailbreaks, and so many of the jailbreaks are, they ran away. Yeah, I just jumped out yeah. the window. Yeah. Like the window's there. Nobody else thought to do it. He was like, you know what? I'm going to be the first one to do it. I'm going to jump through the window. I blame Hollywood. I think we're, um, you know, and we're so used to Hollywood movies even back in those days where everything was extravagant to get somebody out of prison. It takes a a map of the prison. You need a (laughs) hundred guns and cars. It's like, no, I jumped out of the window. There's a window right there. What do I need a tunnel with a spoon? There's a window right there. Exactly. (laughs) Well, this is a picture of the prison. I think it kind of shows that, like, okay, you say second story. We all know what a second story is. But that's probably why you could jump to the window because most people just probably assume, like, who's going to jump out of that? Yeah. I'm highly shocked that that is a prison in uh, USSR. That looks like a regular building, office building back in the day. Like, there's nothing around it. It's on a regular street. When I say nothing around it, just a picture for the people not looking, I don't mean like it's out in the wilderness where you think it should be. I mean, like, there's no gates. There's not a fence. There's nothing. It's a building on a street, and across the street is grass (laughs) and another building, and there's trees. And signs. <laughs> if that was in Brooklyn, people would be paying three grand a month yes. to live there. Yes, absolutely. Well, you got to figure, though, this is also Kurgan, Russia. So, yeah, that's uh... they, they don't have a lot of buildings to begin with. <laughs> he ran 120 miles north of Kurgan to where he was eventually found, which is in Yumen, Siberia, which would the rest of his life would turn to where he tended to go. He got he went back to work as a grave digger in Siberia. Which, if I can think of one place I don't want to dig a grave at, it's in Siberia. I'm with you on that. So they found him six months later. He was uh, in a cosmetic salon. He had got he got moles and a tattoo removed from his hand. <laughs> what year was this? This was in 1987. Man, tattoo removal in 87. That's like the early stages. Of, I mean, did he just peel his skin off or what? I mean, it said he was at a cosmetic salon. He probably just paid some guy to cut off, cut off this mold, too. <laughs> probably said, you know, a light burn <laughs> will make the skin keep burning it. You got to come burn back, burn it, peel it, burn it. <laughs> Damn, man. So after he got caught and returned to prison, normally people that either served in the military or worked as police were kept in a different block from the rest of the because Russian Russian prisons are very very rough yeah it's the rough places to be so normally any type of military any type of uh, service at all because the Russian mob is real anti-government so to them the police it's almost the same as the military so they don't like the military much either but since Salonik had escaped they just threw him in with the regular gen pop he would get he was regularly getting in fights now this is the legend thing again but i promise you you cannot find anything that references or tells a super killer story that does not use the number 12 
Hmm. that he was attacked in prison by 12 guys that he fought off with a shovel. Damn. Wow. Hell yeah. So, like I said early, earlier, I don't know, maybe, but even if it's in real life, even if it's only four or five. Man, it's still impressive. I agree, especially you figure in prison and looking at this building, I'm going to guess it's not a. It's not like he had a full football field to run around from these guys. He was probably in a pretty tight space. So to fight those guys off, impressive. Yeah. Eventually, it got to a point. He fought off enough people enough times that uh, everybody eventually just left him alone. That and... makes sense. <laughs> I mean, news travels fast. After two years, he escaped prison again. This time, he was a small guy. Now, some people say 5'5", five, five, some say 5'7". But two years into his sentence, he was able to uh, sneak through a ventilation sh- system. So he went through a ventilation duct and escaped prison again. Wow. Through a ventilation. So he, he it wasn't just height. He must have been like a pretty slim guy to fit through ductwork. Well, and it's weird because, well, I guess we've seen people like that. We were early, earlier, we were just talking about lightweight boxers. Because yeah, it, sure. it always says he's really strong. He's real athletic, you know. But it seems like he was really, really small. He's just mm. a little guy. So, <laughs> but, like, the vents. you look at some of the stuff he's doing, like American Ninja Warrior. I mean, now there's some big guys, but those tend to be smaller dudes. Yeah, for I sure. I agree. Yeah, the endurance, the stamina, plus being able to dig graves out in the Siberia. I mean, like, yeah. So, obviously, he's a guy who can handle himself and and has at least some kind of stamina and endurance. He's got a pliable strength. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, um, after he escaped from prison, he returned to Kurgan, where uh, he started working for the local criminal organization. Now, the Kurgan mob... It's almost kind of like the AAA of the Russian mafia. <laughs> okay. Like, he, started, he started at the top? <laughs> no, like, no, AAA would be like the minor league. Oh, the AAA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got you. So, now, I didn't say that. That's what I read. I believe <laughs> that all the Russian mob is equally tough, and I don't want to be on record as saying that the Kurgan uh, mob yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ain't shit. But their, um, their farm team is just as good as their, uh, <laughs> their major team. So he started, he started working for the Kurgan mob, and then on July 3rd of 1990, he did his first hit, which his first hit ever was against the leader of the rival Kurgan, Kurgan organization. He got, he made a name for himself quickly as a high-level assassin, and then him and a couple of his buddies he worked with moved to Moscow to start working. He basically got called up to the show. Nah, gotcha, yeah. You know, he, uh. They must have really believed in him or he showed something in his skill level. Your first hit is the leader of the rival gang. <laughs> yeah. That's like, we have to have a lot of, because we know that if you mess up or miss, they are coming after us with everything, you know? So they had to trust that guy a lot. And he know? had to know that if he messed it up. Oh, yeah. Then he was done for. After he moved to Moscow, uh, bodies of Russian mobsters started popping up all over. And that's when he got the nickname Alexander the Great, because he was kind of like the most feared enforcer. He wasn't actually in the Russian mafia. He was like strictly an independent contractor. Mm. I feel like if your name's Alex Alexander anything, Alex, yeah. Alexander the Great's fairly lazy work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Alexander the Mediocre. <laughs> like, you know, you know it's going to be your first nickname if you're at least decent at whatever the fuck you're doing. So in 1992, Alexander Solonik assassinated... Uh, it was a powerful Russian thief-in-law named Viktor Kalina Nikarov. I don't even think that's right. That's close. That's what I'm going with. What was harder, to say his name or to kill him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I see why they called him Kalina. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Keep it short. I, I'm going to just go with Kalina. It's like Coach K. There was too many like, <laughs> yeah, 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 K. Yeah, we, yeah it's called Coach K. <laughs> go with Kalina. Thief-in-law in the Russian mob is this weird thing. It's a rudimentary translation. It's kind of the equivalent of, you know, a lot of Brazilian fighters. Like, Brazilians speak Portuguese, right. which is a really old language. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of these uh, high-level Brazilian fighters. They speak English. Yeah. When they're in their gym and they're with their friends, they speak English. But since it doesn't translate well, like, all not all words translate exactly, Yeah. they always, in the cage, they use a translator. Uh, Vanderlei Silva... Came into the cage yes. and said, yes. <laughs> I must fuck Chuck Liddell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, since then, so after that, after Vanderlei Silva said he's going to fuck Chuck, <laughs> none of the Brazilians would speak English for like a decade. Yeah, it makes sense. And then Johnny Walker gave it a go. 
And he uh, went out there and said, Mickey Mouse, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> How about being the only dude at Hooters that heard him say that and trying to tell everybody around me, like, did you hear what he just said? And they're like, nah, he didn't say that. I'm like, I'm telling you. Then he had to wait for YouTube to be a thing so that like eight years later I could be like, remember what I told you? Like, here it is. Right. Now it's common knowledge. Yeah, everybody knows now. Back back in the old days where people just had to take your word for it. That Man, was a that classic. Was, yeah, I was dying. <laughs> thief-in-law it means closer to a thief in position of the law it's like a high level respected mobster but not necessarily the leader got it mm. the closest thing i can think of to compare it to is kind of like the mob consigliere okay where you're kind of like the right hand man but at the same time you kind of almost you're not the underboss you're not mm-hmm. the boss you kinda know like in the middle there somewhere right so if you ever hear the term thief-in-law nice. thief-in-law it's a uh, it's a Russian mobster. Six months after killing Victor Kalina, he killed another thief-in-law named Valerie, Valerie Delugtage. Now, he was thought, he was like an untouchable, and he was shot in a crowded nightclub surrounded by his bodyguards. Wow. Oh, that's that super killer shit again. He was shot in a crowded nightclub surrounded by bodyguards. The reason, he, what it turned out, the way he was able to do it, uh, super killer was ambidextrous. So he was oh, able to shoot guns. Man. Like what they call it, guns akimbo yeah. or whatever, like double fisting. Mm-hmm. And being a small guy but well-trained, he's able to navigate around crowded clubs and with in tight quarters, a handgun in each hand. Like John Wick shit. <laughs> literally John Wick shit Yeah, what it was. No way. Now, the hit of Valerie Dlugtaj is where he nick- uh, got the nickname the Macedonian. Because in Russia, shooting a gun in each hand is called Macedonian style. Oh, nice. All right. Makes sense. And what are we up to now? That's about four bodies? Well, that's three confirmed bosses. Yes. Now, now he worked as a professional hitman. Now, all the ones, you've been on the show a couple times. You've heard it before. A lot of these guys, there's all kinds of rumors. But I'm just not going to, like give random body counts. Right, right. All the stuff that I... So these are the ones that, at the end of the day, he was confessed to, charged with, proved guilty of. Nobody's ever a professional assassin or hitman that kills, you know, three guys. Right, right. But, so official body count, we got him at three bosses. Got it. Plus, that's a metric system, so it could actually be more. (laughs) (laughs) Lugstad's, uh, his replacement, Vladislav Vinner, by this point, they doubled down on the on their security, and he traveled in, like, an armed car. He was killed, surrounded by his security, getting out of his bulletproof vehicle. Wow. He was shot. Super killer killed him with a sniper rifle. Damn. From, wow. from an elevated position. So we're at number four now. Now I understand, going back to your point, uh, Cancer, now I understand the the super killer name. Yeah. He wasn't just like a regular assassin. The way that he's getting these guys, and I mean, you know, a guy would doubled his security and has an armored car basically that he's yeah, driving he's around still in. Getting them. And it's like, ah, uh, I'll snipe him when he gets out of the car. Yeah, it's a strategist. Well, and and you see, it's a little bit of everything. You know, like if if he's got to go get them in the nightclub, with two guns, guns or one sniper. Yeah, man, yeah. you got to mix it up. I said like, earlier, it's like a video game. You know, first level is jump out the window and run. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your first weapon is a shovel, and then you upgrade. <laughs> Your upgrade is two pistols. Now, now we're up to sniping people. Jeez, you just, man. as the experience, you know, you keep going up a level. Then, in 1994, by then, you know, he was he had been known as Alexander the Great. Now he's the Macedonian, and he is the most feared hitman in Russia. Mm. Wow. So what he decided to do was try and parlay that into just easier money. Like Floyd Mayweather likes to say, easy work. Exactly. Okay, you know I can get you however I want to. So he started going to bosses. He went to a boss. Now, he was the most powerful boss in Russia. His name was Otari Kavantril. Super killer went to him and told him that he'd give him a million to give him a million dollars or kill him. Mm -hmm. So extortion now. Yes. That's uh, that's what he moved to was extortion. Uh, Otari told him no. I mean, because even though you know Super Killer will kill you, you don't really make it to my boss, right? By bitching up because he yeah. said to give you. Otari told him no. Within several weeks, was murdered. 
Now, a lot of people have credited this murder to Superkiller because he was sniped. So he was okay. shot by a sniper. <clears throat> so a lot of people say it was Superkiller because they have evidence of the extortion. And then he was, you know, shot by a sniper within weeks of that. Right. But in 2008, four other men were sentenced with the crime. Ah. So that's why that's not something, you know, who knows? You know, that goes in the who knows department. Also, maybe one of those things where, like, if you want, if you're going to prison anyways, and you want people to kind of, like, you want a little bit of respect when you get in there, that's something you would confess to. Mm -hmm. Be like, yeah, well, I did that. And then people will tend to, you know, treat you a little differently than they would if you didn't do something that big. True. Also, you know, depending on how the laws are over there, if they have anything that's similar to what would be considered our conspiracy you know, those guys may not have did the hit, but they may have given the information yeah. or whatever else, you For know, sure. so. Well, that that's what I think. Like, I mean, whether smoke, there's fire, whether he killed him or didn't kill him. At least at this point, he decided I got to move my game and I'm going to start. Uh, I got to move into extortion. And did you see while he were was he still around when those guys took credit for it? No, this is 1994. Oh, gotcha. when these guys, the guys that got arrested, spoiler alert. Super killer won't be here in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in 2008, these guys were charged gotcha. with the mur murder of, of Otari. But, you know, the thing that a lot happens a lot of times with these is, for one, like you said, people taking credit for reputation, especially mm -hmm. if you're not coming out anyways. Yeah. Another thing, and this is a comparison I use a lot, if you guys have ever seen The Wire, yeah. where WeeBay got life in prison... So since he was already getting life in prison, he started taking the rap for every murder everyone in his clique ever did. Yeah, and he started yeah. trading confessions for sandwiches. So he was getting... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it could be a combination. Maybe some for the rap. Maybe some for... Maybe yeah, Henry Lee Lucas, the same thing. He was he needed a pack of cigarettes or some candy. There was a certain candy he wanted. So he'd confess to crimes. I'd give him the candy that he wanted. So yeah, it makes sense. So I have a confession. Mm -hmm. And your listeners will be very disappointed in me. I have never seen The Wire. Don't tell anyone. Oh, wait, never mind. You, you've really never seen The Wire? I've never seen The Wire. Wow. I, I think we talked about this before. I really don't watch TV or movies. I really, if I watch, it's going to be something sports related. Right. And I used to yeah. be a huge sports junkie. So, hence, I've never seen The Wire. Yeah, I mean, that show would be heavy lifting for <laughs> someone who doesn't really watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, because mm -hmm. it's all interconnected and it's, you know... But when you talk to somebody that's like a big Wire fan, mm -hmm. it's like, well, it's like the Wire. I mean, many people consider the Wire the best show, the best television show yeah. ever. Yep, so for sure, yeah, like you said, and it's hour-long shows, and I don't know what is there six, seven seasons. So yeah, initially it was like anytime I hear anybody didn't, it's like if somebody says I haven't seen The Godfather or whatever, you know, it's always a new. But you are consistent in that you don't watch a lot of TV, so yeah. I will say this though. I did plan once to do a bender on it and just didn't do it because I'm that type of person where I'll wait until something's completely over if I do want to watch it because yeah, yeah. I'm not patient. And then I'll just do like a weekend marathon. I'm not leaving the house. Everything's getting ordered. Yeah. And I'm just watching back to back to back episodes. It just never happened. Yeah, I, I've tried it before. I tried it with the first season of Mr. Robot, and I got cracked out by like by the end because I couldn't stop watching it. I was like, I can't even do this no more, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just got to be too much. So, especially with a show like The Wire, where like that, it it's really difficult. Well, and I think because I tried it with Breaking Bad, and and Breaking Bad's a decent show. Like you said, for one, I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, you know, I I started and I I was binging it too hard, and then I made it almost exactly halfway through. And I quit, and I've never went back because at this yeah. point I kind of don't even like it. It's because yeah, it's, it's like when you drink that liquor that you drank too much of it when yeah. you were a kid, and now oh, you yeah. can never touch it again. No, yes. I feel you on one hundred percent on that. Yep, that's like Game of Thrones. I didn't, I, I couldn't get into it because I waited too long, and then by then it was like, what am I gonna do? Watch seven episodes a day or you know it's just it's 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 tough similar to the wire that's heavy lifting you can't yes. just it's not it's not an episode you gotta of have friends. a browser open so you're like, and if i have my computer open i'm working on other stuff so i get distracted and then i have to rewind it seven times and put the subtitles on i'm like at that point i'm like fuck this i'm putting seinfeld on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have that in the background where i can work on stuff I'm, I'm a sitcom junkie i watch a lot of sitcoms and i think that's why is because it's 
white noise. It's not because I love sitcoms and think it's right, great yeah. art. It's very just turn your brain off and yeah. you don't Easily have to digestible. pay attention to everything. Right. Absolutely. And I, I've seen this thing before, and I don't know how I don't know the exact numbers or how accurate it is, but there's something like every sitcom. There's like because of the way the story structure is, in order to pull off that 22 minute style of show, yeah. There's only like eight different plot lines, and they just oh, tell yeah. it a bunch of different ways. Mm. And if you watch enough sitcoms, you mm. can really see to where that's the same story that this one does. And yeah. Even within the same shows, like when they start going into ten seasons, yeah, oh, they'll yeah. just do the same Repeat thing, but now different, different characters. It's just like you know, how many love songs are there? Are they ever gonna stop making love songs? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, it, it's going and going and going. Everybody puts their own spin on it. Different people swap this and that out. And, you, you can yeah. only look into so many eyes and hold so many hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that was the brilliance of, uh, of Seinfeld, though. Uh, you know, the fact of the way it was set up. It didn't have to be about anything in particular. And there were no storylines that had to tailor in the other episodes. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was almost like, uh, the reality TV that we have today, where it's like, it's just people going about life for whatever's going on. And there's jokes in there, yeah, no, you know, yeah. and you got the guy that lives in the building. That's always coming into someone else's apartment. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah. for a guy, I just said I was a sitcom junkie. I would say Seinfeld is the sitcom I've seen. Now I've seen some, and it's one of those things where I get like the, you know, the soup Nazi, I get the references just the yeah. pop culture, mm-hmm. but it's one of the sitcoms. And I, and I think it's, I must not think Larry David's funny because I don't like Curb Your Enthusiasm either. And everybody says that's hilarious. Yeah, see, it, that one's a little too cringy for me. I like Seinfeld, but I didn't like it when it was on TV. Like, mm. it took me a few years after to be like, okay, now I get it and I appreciate it. And, you know, and I, I like it now. And I keep it on in the background because I've seen every episode like a thousand times. And right. I can work <laughs> on other stuff and not be distracted. But, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's uh, it's definitely one of those shows where... It got better as time went on, but not. I mean, I totally understand people that aren't into it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I don't like. I couldn't really get into Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I said, it's too cringy for me. So what he decided was it wasn't the extortion wasn't a bad idea. He just went for too big a gangster. He's like, okay, Otari was the biggest gangster. Okay. Of course, he's not gonna do it. So what he did was he went back up to Yuman, Siberia, where he used to hide out. Um, when he'd escape prison, the Siberian mob boss, which sounds crazy, but I mean, I guess <laughs> somebody's got to do it anywhere. If you put enough people together, somebody's going to handle the crime. Giant fur coat, a <laughs> couple tigers, Siberian tigers by his side. I was thinking the same thing about the tigers. <laughs> Instead of Rottweilers, he has yeah. tigers on chains walking with him. And sleds and shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oddly enough, his name is Andre Rura, but his nickname was Mammoth. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it kind of goes with the the fur coats (laughs) and the uh, Siberian tigers. He was the biggest in Siberia. But like I said earlier, Siberia was kind of, it was a smaller organization than in Moscow. So he went up there and he went to Mammoth. Give me a million dollars or I'll kill you. (laughs) And Mammoth said no too. (laughs) Something about these mob bosses. Yeah, I mean, like they just don't bend down. They they just don't like it when you... No matter how many guys you hit with a sniper rifle, they <laughs> yeah. never want to pay you a million dollars. He he didn't learn from Whitey Bulger. You know, you can always extort a Dana White and send him to Nevada to become the head of the USFC. <laughs> like, yeah, the little gym owner, let's get that guy. Man. Give me money. Mammoth said no. And then Solonik officially got on a, a plane and went back to Moscow, even though he was never seen in Moscow. And within several days, Mammoth... And most of the leadership group well, were all murdered in the street in Yuma, wow. Siberia. You would think at some point I would just pay this guy the million dollars. Yeah. <sighs> Sounds like it's worth it. I mean, I would have given him the million dollars just based off the uh, 12 people in a shovel story. As <laughs> <laughs> before the guns akimbo and the club and the sniper rifle and the armor car. Look, I got like, like six bucks and the rest of this wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome to it. Yeah, I mean. Whatever you want. Not, not only that, but he found these guys like i mean i imagine they weren't as hidden as like you know they're not in fortresses or anything but still like you make it to the boss mm-hmm. 
like you're at, sitting at the table with him. You know, that takes some kind of skill, I'm sure. You can't just like call and make an appointment. Like, hey, can I talk to the head of the uh, the mob out here? Like, yeah, come on in. You know what I mean? I agree. I, and by this time, it's in the 90s. So it's not like, you know, they didn't have, you know, the one guy, as you talked about, he had a, you know, a bulletproof car and everything yeah, like yeah. that. So, I mean, these guys have security around yeah. them and whatever. So, as you said, I found you. And I was able to get to you to have a conversation. Yeah. That means I'm very dangerous just off the bat. Yeah, for sure. Well, I I feel like that's what the implication is, right? It's like, you know, you see these movies and they send a picture of your son on the soccer field. Yeah. What it's saying is, hey, see how close I get? Yep. I have access. I can get you. I'm just imagining that phone call like, hey, this is super killer. I'm calling for mammoth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. This can't be good. (laughs) Tell him I'm not in. Yeah. Oh, he's not in? I'm sorry. This is uh, Alexander the Great. Is yeah, he in yeah. now? Oh, oh, wait <laughs> oh, a minute. Yeah. We didn't know. One moment, please. Yeah. By now, Su- uh, Super Killer was one of the most uh, most wanted criminals in all of Russia. And him and his friend were picked up. It's it's a famous place called uh, Moscow's Petrovsky Market. Okay. And they were there having a drink when the police found him and picked him up. How you take Super Killer and his friend into, you arrest them and take them to prison without searching them well enough to realize that Super Killer had a machine gun in his raincoat. <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> I feel like if there's one person that you really need to search, super probably yeah. Super yes. Killer, yeah. You should probably really search this guy well, but they don't. They, they take him and his I butt. I thought you patted him down. I thought you patted him down. After being arrested while in the police station, he shot and killed four police officers Jeez. and ran. Wow. Once he got out of the police station and was on the street, he killed one more police officer and two security guards. He almost escaped, and he got shot in the kidney while he was climbing a fence. And And I feel sorry for the security guards. You know, they were probably there making minimum wage with flashlights. (laughs) (laughs) They ran upon a super killer. Yeah. (laughs) Of all all the people. Of all the people. (laughs) You didn't pat him down? (laughs) Come on. <laughs> he's now, on top of all the murders he's wanted for in the multiple escapes, now he was charged with the murder five cops and two security guards. He oh, went to man. he went to a prison that was it's called Matraska Tashina, which is like, it's the Russian equivalent of Alcatraz. What, I got the Motor City Casino behind it? Right. That, <laughs> it, does, it does look like... <laughs> The roof line looks like the Motor City Casino. That's I, hilarious. But at least they have fences. When, they do. It's funny when you, because uh, I seen this picture and I always thought it looked crazy and I never, I could never put a finger on it. And as soon as you said it, that's all I could look at. Now. <laughs> they put and the prison. Now this is another one where the translation it gets referred to. It's either translated as Sailor's Rest or Seaman's Silence. But it's like the, the biggest prison. You know, it's like their top. You know, maximum security prison. And you can see now if you look at it, you can see it's definitely looked more like a prison. It's got gates and walls and stuff. Yeah. But it was more maximum security based on the firepower. I mean, the Russians are a lot less. Where Americans. I mean, not that the American prison is good. It's obviously not, but it's a lot more. We got to keep you in here. Mm-hmm. Russia is a lot more like, well, you can either stay here or we'll shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kind of the two options. <laughs> While he was in uh, Sailor's Rest Prison, he had surgery for his kidney. He immediately, he stopped running with any kind of criminal organizations in prison. And he spent all his time, he spent a lot of time working out, which what he always consistently did his whole life. But he spent a lot of time learning foreign languages and learning computers. So it was the 90s, anything he could learn computer wise. And that's pretty much where he spent all his focus, gym, literature and computers. So what you're saying is he's the reason that everything happened with Facebook uh, for <laughs> Donald Trump to get elected. He planted the seed. We have to blame him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, learned the foreign, he learned the foreign languages. Oh, he learned the man. computer skills. I, I found Facebook. He invented spam mail and shit, like fake news. He invented fake news. Fake news. God, man. So while he was in while he was in prison, a guy that he worked with from his organization named Sergey Menshikov got a job in Sailor's Rest Prison as a corrections officer. He got a legit job there, worked for a while, got on a regular shift. One day, while he's working as a guard, he came in, he brought in a rope, grappling hooks, and a gun. 
super killer set up his bed like uh like Shawshank style like he put just put clothes and stuff on his mm-hmm. bed so it looked like he was in there sleeping yeah him and his buddy his buddy the the uh the corrections officer got him out to the roof and they used the rope and the grappling hooks to get down to a BMW that they had waiting. And, and it was Batman a Batman B- and Robin did down the wall? That's... Okay. Here's what I think is crazy about that. If you want to break me out of prison, like, you could get a job, sneak in, and do all that stuff. Yeah. And then, like, hey, well, here's your rope and your grappling hook. I'm like, well, I still can't get out. <laughs> well, you got a BMW. That's what I have that for. What, man. What the fuck am I supposed to do with a rope and a grappling hook, man? <laughs> Like, yeah, you're at that part of the quest where, you know what I'm saying, you have to pull out the book and be like, okay, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit? You have to think back to his military days. I'm pretty sure he, you know, went oh, down yeah. a few walls. Well, yeah, that's probably old hat to him. I'm just saying me personally. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Even though, I mean, yeah, it was a great plan. You had a setup and stuff like that. Getting out of prison. But Bad you still news. gotta, that's a, yeah. it's not like. He didn't just walk. That was, it's still pretty Ocean's Eleven. You yeah, had an inside guy, but you still had to grappling hook out to your waiting BMW. Yeah, Note to self, if I ever want to break Locke out of prison and I bring a grappling hook, he's not going to be appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> it was all I could sneak in. What am I going to do with this shit? I got some, I got some wine and a grappling hook. <laughs> so, are you but happy? If, if you can't walk me to the front door... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not climbing through a window. That's like I'm me, not... man. If I got to do a chin up, I'm fucked. You know what I'm saying? They're like all you have to do is lift yourself up once, and you're out. Like, man, I'm gonna lift stay in there. Oh, run, save yourself. <laughs> yeah, Look, looks I'm like stuck. I'm just doing life then. Yep, I got some here. <laughs> I don't have time for that. What he did was he went to a Greek consulate in Moscow, and since he had spent a lot of time learning different languages and stuff, he was able to. He secured a passport and a visa and got out of Moscow into Greece, which didn't have an extradite. Wow. Mm. So Moscow wouldn't couldn't come get him in Greece. Uh, in Greece, Salonik set up an organization of up to about 50 men. Now, he had bought himself a really big, he bought a big mansion in Greece, and then he bought a bunch of villas all around him Damn. that he provided for his guys. So he basically bought, like, a neighborhood in Greece and ran his operation out of it. And with that Greek economy, it probably didn't cost him that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, man, that's crazy. So he had, like, his own village. Right? Yeah, like, mm. super killer town. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Walmart with less guns. That boss killing money goes a long way in Greece, yeah. in 1990s Greece. You can get a lot of property, apparently. They worked mostly in uh, narcotic shipment and contract killing. The villas they all bought were, it was uh, Athens suburb. So he was in one of the nicest areas in Greece. It was running a full-fledged operation. At this point, this was kind of the height of his reputation because he had broke out of so many prisons. By now, he had moved it to the, uh, the Russia's top 10 most wanted list. So he had been on a list. This is where he moved to the top of it. Who are the other nine guys above him? I was just, I was just <laughs> like, yeah, you, it took him. for this to move it to the top. <laughs> well, I finally broke the top ten. Like, god damn! Like, didn't this guy just shoot five cops? Plus, I've been listening to rap for thirty years. How come I never heard of this guy before? Because <laughs> he was only in the top ten. Like, I ain't exactly. heard of the other nine either. Because it's Russia. We don't talk about the Russian mom. <laughs> Man, well, that's about to change because. <laughs> he lived with a 22 year old Russian supermodel named Svetlana Kotova. Svetlana, that name sounds familiar. She was on a reality show. That Somebody with that name. Well, I think I it's every it. other girl in Russia. Oh, haha, <laughs> it's a common name. The, the guys are named Sasha. The girls are named uh, Steve Svetlana. Svetlana. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was a Russian supermodel. Like, I only go with so many pictures. Like, I had to pick one because if you Google her, like, I mean, because it wasn't, like we said, it wasn't that long ago. It was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. So she had a lot of work out there. And he was just living the Greek life with a supermodel in his mansion in his own little village. Damn. He picked well. She's a pretty girl. He had... He wasn't good at being like his own boss, and he basically decided that he wanted he wanted the Russian mob. So his plan was to go back and take mm. out the Russian mobsters that he used to work for. And he felt like there'd be no issues. I mean, if you look at all the mob bosses he took out, took out the ones that he worked for, he would know even more about. Yeah. So it should have been easy enough. And like word got around that basically Super Killer and his gang were basically looking to make a coup. Okay. on the russian mob bosses this is super super rumor but it came up 
like I said, if I see it more than once, that makes it a thing. But uh, yeah. he used to take target practice with pictures of old old Russian mob bosses. This The crazy part is, to me, none of it really makes sense. I mean, I don't even see what the purpose of trying to make a counter plot to oh, yeah. attack the old Russian mob was. But I, I think it's one thing that's consistent when you look at all these stories as they wind down it always ends at greet like they just don't know when to stop oh yeah you know it's probably that but also it's like having a chance to go to the nba you go to the nba you know and you you dunk on lebron and a few other things and then you know for some reason you're not in the nba anymore and you're in this other organization and you're the top guy you're like no but I really want to go yeah. back and take over the NBA. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where that's where he's from. That's kind of what he grew up in. He really wants to be the head of that. And this other thing, it just bores him. It's too easy. Yeah, because, like, what's his competition in Greece? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he probably, he probably got bored. He was like, hey, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy over here. Nobody's going to mess with me. So I need some action. Exactly. I mean, I just took over. I came over here, took over a whole town. Yeah. I mean, I've been fighting around there for decades. You know? Nobody wants to shovel fight or nothing. It's like those sad Pablo Escobar memes where he's just like wandering around sitting on a park bench by himself. It's like, I got nothing to do. I got to do something, man. Poor, poor board super killer. As a, a preemptive strike, the Russian mafia decided, well, we got to do something. Super killer's out there. And he's looking to make a move. What they did was they called a guy. He was another famous Russian killer named Sasha Soledad. All the Sashas. The real Sasha. Because he, oh, when we was going with the, through the breakdown of the nicknames. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he moved to Greece, that's when he changed his name to Sasha Makadonsky. So that was his alias. Sasha Mac. In order to get a passport to. (laughs) God, man. What a name. So. Smack-a-donkey. Smack-a-donkey. <laughs> uh, so, in order to in order to get su- super killer, they called Sasha Soledad. Now, Sasha Soledad also served in the Russian military, but he was a Russian Marine, which is, like, for sure Russian Special Forces. Okay. And he was also a high-level Russian assassin. Damn. So, which, I mean, I guess you have to be. I mean, I, I think it's crazy that the Russian mob, uh, somebody needs to kill super killer. Oh, I got a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. We got... We super, got crazy. super killer. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. who's even willing to take that job? We got the perfect guy. Oh, man. So, when uh, there's reports with... Uh, Sasha Soledad and Ale- Alexander Solodnik knew each other and had worked together before. Most people report that when he moved... When Sasha Soledad landed in Greece, that Alexander Solodnik met with him and had dinner with him while he was in Greece. Now, on February... First, 1997, the body of Superkiller was found strangled, to de- strangled to death, 20 kilometers from Athens. Oddly, it's it's crazy to hear that he Sasha Soledad came to Greece. He met yeah. with him, had dinner with him, and then still got strangled. The fucked up part is, that's not even the first time I've heard of that. Like doing these oh, podcasts where you talk. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes these guys, I don't know if it's an honor among thieves or just, you know, maybe you're just so cocky that you don't think he's bad enough. But or maybe at that dinner, Soledad offered him that deal. <laughs> like, I'll give you, you give me a million dollars and I won't kill you. That's true. It may have been a negotiation. You know, hey, this is this is what's on your head. You know, uh, you got something good going on over here. You no. know, um, he's like, no, go fuck yourself. Well, <laughs> he's like, nope, he's... you. He made the same mistake that Otari and Mammoth all made. Yes. When when somebody comes and hits you with that offer, you you just say, Ah, okay, Sasha, here you go. (laughs) But Sasha Sasha Soledad strangled Alexander Solonik to death and found his body in February of 1997. Over a month later, on May 10th, 1997, the Greek police found a shallow grave that had the body of Svetlana Katova dismembered in (sighs) a shallow grave. Oh, man. Doggone it. But she killed at the same time, or you said it was different? Well, the bodies were found at different, different times. times yeah. So it never says when they were killed, how they were killed. Man. All it says is Sasha Soledad went to Greece. They found his body on February 1st. They found her on Mar- or May 10th. So May 10th, yeah, that's a few months. Well, yeah. they said she was dismembered, too, so who knows what happened? Who knows what, what they mean by that? You know, yeah. was she chopped up? Was she beaten badly? You know, um, now there's a lot of people that say that super killer's death was fake and that he just went off to live his own life because a lot of people will count to like that. He was always getting his, uh, changing his appearance and he was always big on cosmetic surgery and was always trying to change uh, what he looked like, but legend builder shit. 
but it really seems like he probably died. I mean, for what you want to say about him, he was a cop. He was in the army. He was in prison. They know what his fingerprints are. They can identify his body. Yeah. And, and the body wasn't dismembered. The body was strangled. It's not like face off. Like you can take his face and switch with John Travolta and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I can see that for sure. Yeah. That that's the that Greek uh, plastic surgery wasn't <laughs> yeah, that yeah. high level in the nineties. <laughs> not to mention, also, it sounds like you know, as we talked about before. He doesn't seem like a guy that was going to stop. Yeah. So my guess, if he was still alive, he would still be fighting for power. So all they really would have to do is look for a similar profile. Yeah. Even if the person sure. looks different, look for a similar profile. Super killer's back. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a mode of operations and the way that he does things. So, yeah. I mean, that would Unless, plot twist, he became Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Now, or one, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we've never heard, most people haven't heard of Super Killer. I didn't until I no, did. Never. I until I did research, you know, for this podcast, I had never heard of them. But we kind of all have in this route. So one thing I found doing this prior to Super Killer, most of our image of gangsters and that gangsters put on themselves was based off Bugsy Siegel. So Bugsy Siegel did the the duster jacket, the flashy suits, the yeah, yeah. you know he lived mm-hmm. the lifestyle, he looked sharp, and then at some point stuff cartoons itself. So yeah. our perceived image of gangsters was really what Bugsy Siegel was, and then at some point gangsters start saying, okay, that's what a gangster is, yeah, and they yeah, start yeah. portraying, mm-hmm. you know, it perpetuates itself. For sure. People credit Super Killer for the switch from at that point all of our gangster stuff was like I said, Bugsy Siegel old school gangster style. Yeah. Super Killer is kind of what changed the perception of you know the the hitman video games the john wick the elite level if you look at old old style hitman stuff it was never really that kind of that kind of change in the 90s so yeah he was kind of even though we haven't heard of him he was the inspiration for a lot of this change to uh this high level military style assassin that makes sense so it's like you know it's like some of those bands that we never heard of but you know whoever influenced the beatles Oh yeah, you know exactly. So we're it's, it's of... all cyclical too. Like it'd be funny, like James Brown, his the way he dressed, uh, it influenced people that were in Africa, and then he went to Africa, and then he was in turn influenced by them. Yeah. Came back. It's it's just crazy how that shit works. It's just, yeah. It is cyclical a lot of the time. It's the inception of influence. <laughs> it is the inception <laughs> of influence for sure. All right, that's the story of Alexander Solonik. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So now we got to cast it. This whole time, I have a picture ready. We haven't looked at a picture yet. But as I was telling the story, yeah. at some point you picture the guy in your head. Uh, I could show the picture if you guys have a pre-guess, but if we were to try and make a super movie about Super Killer... Right now, who do you think you would cast? Me, I'm thinking of Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. That's who. I, that's who I pictured. I have no idea who that is. I'm gonna go with Vladimir Putin because he <laughs> is Vladimir Putin. <laughs> is there a picture of him riding a bear without a shirt on? I mean, that sounds like some super killer stuff. Doing yeah, sambo. All right. Look like CM Punk. <laughs> so, uh, I think. The Vigo Mortensen, it's, that's the problem, is that anytime we hear Russian gangster, yeah, I mean, it, that's, it's just Eastern it's, Promises come the tattoos and the everything, yeah. And, you know, one day, because at some point we're looking at doing some, like, bonus episodes where yeah. we uh, kind of cover, like, we always cover these guys every once in a while, do, like, a gang or something like that. Yeah. Like, the Russian mob tattoos is, like, oh, a thing yeah. in of its own, like, because it's not random stuff that kind of means things. It's, like, a legitimate, right. like, right. your biker patches or yeah. your... It, it all means specific things. Like if if we were both in the Russian mob, you could take your shirt off and I could just know. Yeah, yeah I could yeah, read your like, bo- oh. it's your resume. Yeah. You're wearing it. It's um I was just reading about that being um the same thing over in like uh, Japan. Yeah. With the yakuza and how um it was and I forget what I was reading or it might have been something I was listening to and they were talking about how they envy Americans being able to just have tattoos and kind of wear them out. But there only really the mob and underwear had tattoos and they all told a story. And so you would never show your tattoos. And if 
somebody finds out you have tattoos, literally there's establishments that you can't even go into because they know what those are the markings of. So when you go ahead and tattoo yourself with these tattoos, you're basically saying, this is my life. Because you know what it means if anybody sees these tattoos because they tell a story. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like MS-13, right? True. When you tattoo 13 across your face, that's a commitment to a lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, it's not like uh, quinceanera when you're like, oh, you're a woman. You're, you know, (laughs) you're like, no, no, you're MS-13. You know it only means one thing. It's clear. So here's the picture. All right. That Uh, could be a young Putin. I'm just saying. Now, the guy that I think, now, anytime you start doing a research, you start seeing pictures right away. So I don't ever have the hearing the story without seeing a picture. Right. It's like the first thing that pops up when you start clicking on stuff. Yeah. I kind of hate to say it because it seems like our go-to guy that we pick a lot, but I feel like uh, Ed Norton could probably play. Ed Norton probably could, yeah. I mean, because he's uh, smaller in stature, but like, like, uh, you know... Like Fight Club, like lean and in shape. You know they'd ask Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy? That's who they would ask. They'd be like, uh, young Gary Oldman could have done it. He is too old now, but yeah, yeah Gary Oldman actually would have looked. Well, we could do that nowadays, though. The Avengers movie, Star Wars, we could just get <laughs> Gary Oldman. And yeah. We'll you, fix that. You can make people young. I say Connor's boy, the Russian Hammer. Uh, what is his name? Artem Lobov. Yeah, it's about time oh, yeah, he become Lobov, an actor. Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not going to – I mean, what is he over in Bare Knuckle now or something? Yeah. yeah. Become an actor. Hey, play this guy. Yeah, as well. Russian Hammer. What is he? He's probably like 5'6", yeah, something like that, 5'7". He's, he's a smaller, so, lighter yeah, weight guy. He's not a real big – and he's, a, you know, a well-built guy. Well, and look, it sounds silly, but at one point they cast The Rock in Scorpion King, and people were like, pfft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. What are you doing? Now he's the biggest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now yes. for sure on the planet, mm-hmm. he's moving towards ever. Yeah. At the rate that he's going. Yeah, yeah, he is. His uh, his record, like he surpassed Schwarzenegger in that particular mm-hmm. genre, like a, a long time ago. Because like Schwarzenegger, you know, he hit like a mm-hmm. pretty big bump there for a while. You know what I'm saying? Whereas like The Rock, like yeah, he's got some you know some bad movies now, but his I mean, like, he had, like, two movies in the same year where he was wearing the same outfit. <laughs> it's like, give him a dirty T-shirt and some slacks. It works. And that's him. Like, take his leg off. That's Skyscraper. Put the leg back on. It's Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, you could say whatever you want, to ro- want about The Rock, though, but one thing he brings to the table is work ethic. Oh, yes. yeah, that guy. <laughs> Nobody works like The Rock. Like, he probably he... sleeps 35 seconds a day. <laughs> He knows he's got this window, yeah, and he's gonna cash in every second of his window while he can. Oh, I don't blame sure. him. I don't blame him. He'll probably retire and uh, go to like. Uh, wasn't he originally from like? Where's he from? Isn't he from like an island or something? Yeah. Samoa. Yeah, his dad is Samoa. Samoa. Or no, his mom would be Samoan, I think. Yeah, his, his yeah, because black. yeah, Rocky because Maivia, I think yeah. his um, yeah, his um, his um, uncles on his mom's side were the. Um, what was those wrestlers, the, the tag team? Oh, the uh, well, his dad was Rocky Maivia. Well, no, yeah, but his no, his dad, were, his dad was like Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson, yeah, that's what it is. And then, well, his, no, that's just, yeah. And then his like uncle or grandpa on his mom's side was something Maivia. Oh, okay. Well, I think so his when uncles, he first weren't they like the the funky Samoans or something like that? Was his uncles? Well, m- half of the. Most of the wrestlers that are Islanders now are his cousins and stuff. So yeah, I can't a, think of the huge uh, legacy in there. The big guy that wears like the thong out there, but he's a big Islander guy that wears like a little like a sumo looking diaper Rikishi? thong. Yeah, I believe that might be him. That is crazy. That was you know they would cast Samoans as Asian, you know like uh, like a Japanese character as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know they would play play mm-hmm. around with that shit a little bit too. He's got a. The guy that was just in Hobbs and Shaw with him, the guy that's a big wrestler now with the long hair, uh, Roman, Roman Reigns. Yeah, Roman Reigns. That's his cousin also. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when you said Rocky Maivia, that was The Rock's first name, and it was because it was Rocky from his dad and Maivia from his mom's side, and he was mm. putting all that stuff together. But that's when and no everybody hated it, because he was like goofy and bouncing around and happy. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, as a wrestler, I, I didn't like him but then once he started doing movies and stuff i was like man this dude's good like, even like be cool i was like oh he can be funny too i like be cool a lot like the rock and be cool 
Yeah, he's great. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's I'm sure other you know, other people saw the same thing we did. Like, okay, this guy can pretty much do anything. You know, earlier when you said we could like Tom Hardy could play him. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, like I think Tom at some point we gotta take Tom Hardy and Ed Norton, just throw them out. Yeah. Because <laughs> every like every white gangster that's small in stature. <laughs> Like, yeah, oh, is, yeah, is the first thing you think of is Tom Hardy or uh, Ed Norton. It's funny. I thought Khabib when so. I saw him, too. I was like, he kind of looks like Khabib. I could see that, too. I could see that. Well, because he's not he's not your Ivo. He's not your Ivan Drago Russian. Right. right. He's your. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's more of your Khabib, yeah. like the mountain, like a Dagestan. Well, he's from Kurgan. Yeah. So yeah. definitely. All right. So now. Oh, and here's another picture. Now, this is the same picture. This is like a. Uh, official rendering he did a good job of staying off the radar which is odd and this plies into the fact that maybe he did do some some spy time because typically when you're in the military there'd be a lot of military pictures of you and stuff yeah and there's not a lot of pictures of super killer anywhere out there so the only pictures you can really find is this picture of him and then uh like an artist rendering which if you really look at it's the same picture and they just used it to work off of now he looks more like joel edgerton now we do the DEFCON scale. So now the standard DEFCON scale would be five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest level of alert. But it's important to note that none of the guys are good guys. Right. So five would be like Lee Murray, who's like your crack dealing, kidnapping, armed robber. Got it. One would be your purple gang, who's just racking up massacres and gang wars and killing police in the street. So on a scale five to one of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Super Killer? So Super Killer is going to be my first number one. And the reason is not just the amount of bodies, but the nickname is so fitting, Super Killer. So, I mean, the way that he killed people, the way that he would go to area, hey, you know, yeah. give me a million dollars. Ah, I'd kill you and all of your guys. You know, what he did as a bad guy I think uh, he needs like a bad guy plaque. And then, you know, going to Greece, it didn't sound like he went there and muscled the people out of it. Went there, bought up a territory, and then ran his operation out of it. I mean, this is like a, a A-plus quality bad guy. This is the bad guy I would want on my team. I don't want to be above him, though, because he would kill me. I mean, right <laughs> right, below him. Yeah. I'll be his Adjacent underboss. even. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Cancer, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd am i have to put him at one, too. Because even like we said earlier, like when he was at top ten of the most wanted, those other nine guys, we don't know who they killed. So maybe they may have killed one person that happened to be more important than all the people that he killed. But his just – his rap sheet and just all the shit that he did and just taking out all those cops and all that like and the way he evaded being caught that many times but yeah i i'd have to put him right there at a number one as well yeah i think definitely i mean you get style points for sure (laughs) yeah you know style points and a lot of a lot of these guys when you do this gangster stuff you know if you kill a mob boss that's like you move that to the top of your resume yeah when most of your resume is mob, like you don't even fit, all your mob bosses don't even fit on your resume. You just right. got to put your top guys on there, breaking out of prison, shootouts with cops, yeah. kind of, you know, kind of hit it all. So I think he's definitely kind of got to set the standard. Yeah. I feel like he's got got to go with a one. All right. Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. Now, uh, before I wrap it up, I thank uh, Six Fo Swaino for letting us use his uh, music for the intro music. Local Detroit rapper, he's a talented kid. So subscribe to his YouTube channel, follow him on social media, support local artists. Do uh, You got anything before we go, Cancer? No, no, it's just uh, I learned a lot today, and I'm going to go home and write a couple verses with everything I learned today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DC? Uh, no, uh, I, I really like this one a lot. His story was very, uh, very different than what I expected. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't become an oligarch, although, once again, he may or may not be Vladimir Putin. So he may have actually (laughs) became an oligarch. But I thought this one was a great story and uh, uh, kind of one of those diamond in the roughs. I don't think many people know of this story. So, you know, thank you a lot for finding this guy. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. Well, thanks for coming today and uh, thanks for listening.
Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grab the hundred hams. I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. For you meet your dead homie. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Dope when I pass by, I let my money at a fast pace. 